Good afternoon, my friends. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on this happy and somewhat cold Wednesday here in the Windy City. I'm Dr. Mark Gomez, board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital in Naperville and Bullock, Illinois. Welcome back to another episode. Today is such a great day because uh, my guest today, Gwen Cohen, who you will meet in a few moments, I've known her for a long time. So, you know, when I started talking about doing this show, and this is, this is, we're about at the six-month point of, of launching this program, and really what we try to do is make sure that people have the right information. They take that information and they go talk to their healthcare practitioner and discuss ways to continue to live healthy, fulfilled, and inspiring lives. And today's topic is no different. Today we're going to be talking about financing your health. And we're going to have a really good discussion and really stress the importance of long-term care. Now, when I think about financing your health, it's an important thing because the inevitability of health and disease affects us all. And the reality, as we get older, the cost of taking care of yourself goes up. So again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. Check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. My handle's at to your health, Dr. G. You're listening to us here live at Intellectual Radio Studios, www.intellectualradiostudios.com. Listen, today is going to be just a great day because we're talking about finding your health again, and this is an important thing. So I want to hit you guys off with a couple of stats, but before we get that, you know I've got to hit you with a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here are some of the cold hard facts, because this is something that affects us all. The reality is that as we get older, the more likely you are to run up high healthcare expenses. Illnesses and injuries can strike someone at any age. And I'm gonna share a couple stories today and certainly my guest Gwen Cohen can certainly share some of her intake on things too. But the reality is that the inevitability of this. So the best thing, what I talk about in primary care, as a primary care physician, my goal is prevention. Prevention, prevention, prevention. And that involves preparedness. And when we're talking about when you have success in your health, you can continue to have more likely to have success in your life. And that's something I stress my patients on a daily basis, and this topic is no different about financing your health. So what we're going to do today, first of all, my, my, uh, my, my uh, viewers that have been out here and watching us uh, all this time, I'm just so grateful, and thank you for coming back and checking, out, checking us out. For those that are new to the show, what I do each week, I bring in an expert on a topic. We talk about it. And again, we tell the truth. We tell you things that, that, that can, you can apply when you talk to your healthcare team. But then again, this is just us having a discussion, but I want you to know that we try to give some high-yield points for you to get then to make the right decisions for your families and your loved ones. So again, today's show is no different. So here we are. So I want to introduce my guest today, because this is super important. And, and again, I'm so happy that I've gotten her here, because as I tell a personal, short, personal story, uh, Gwen Cohen, she was at my wedding. All right, uh, and yes, and me and my wife, we were so blessed to have her there, but, but Gwen has been a part of our extended family for a long time. We've known her for a long time, and so um, it's just when I was coming up with this show, I go, okay, 
I gotta get Gwen. And Gwen and I have talked about this for a long time now. We finally made it happen. Our schedules aligned. The plans have aligned. The universe has aligned. Here we are today. But we're really here to help. And when I talk with Gwen off 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 air, you know, we're talking about the importance of this preparedness and and making sure that that people are prepared for the for the sometimes the unexpected, and that's the reality of it all. So what I want to do is I want to welcome my guest today, uh, Fierce. This is, this is excellent. Gwen Cohen, first vice president, wealth advisor at Morgan Stanley. Check her out, fa.morganstanley.com slash Gwen.Cohen. Gwen, welcome to To Your Health with Dr. G. Thank you so much, and I'm just honored to be here with you, Dr. Gomez. Excellent. Well, well, Gwen, again, we, this, has been, uh, this has been a work in progress on what we get on. We finally made it happen, oh, yes. so I'm excited to break things down to you today, uh, and instead of break things down, and you break it down to our audience, uh, but just having some good discussion on this topic that's so important to us all. So why don't you just tell us, give us a little bit about your background. How did you end up you know, what was kind of your point A to point B getting mm. to this point in life as a wealth advisor at Morgan Stanley? Just give us a little bit about your background and how you got to this point in your life and yeah, your career. Yeah, it's an interesting journey, and thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. I'm one of, I'm the fourth of five children. Our parents um, wanted so much to make sure that we were prepared for life, and that began with education. Um, I did my undergraduate degree in uh, business from Tuskegee University. Uh, although my family settled here about 100 years ago, I was actually born in uh, Alabama, not far from the Tuskegee campus. I did undergrad degree there, and then at Northwestern I did my MBA. And I joined Morgan Stanley just over 30 years ago, and it seemed like an accident. But as I look back, it really was not an accident. It was purpose. I mean, it sounds Absolutely. like this is fate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, as I, and, as, and as you and I have known each other for such a long time, uh, it really... You know, you've helped us out, uh, our family out a lot too. And again, I want to bring this message of inclusion and opportunity, and just have this kind of frank discussion as we're trying to lead people and give them the right tools for Absolutely. success. So I'm just excited for you. So why don't you give me like an opening statement? Like, what is this theme of financing your health as we talk into long-term care? What does this just kind of mean to you, uh, as you even personally or professionally? Well, I believe you said it best when you said. Um, success in your health means success in your life. Absolutely. And um, my father used to always say, uh, the things that are important to you, you cherish and you take care of them. And what better thing to take care of than your health, especially if it gives you success in life. So I'm going to stay with your theme because that theme is my dad's theme and it's been one that's helped me. So I tell that theme to my patients all the time. I, I go, when they it's see it, I go, I go, hey, success in your health is equal to success in your life. And I always tell people, when they come into my office, the fact that they showed up is a commitment. Absolutely. Because uh, there's a lot of people that, that, that still may struggle. They may not have the right relationship with their doctor, but we still know statistically a lot of people don't go to the doctor. So we're trying to create this momentum. And so what about the other, st the other saying I like to say, and you've probably heard this as a, as a wealth advisor, your health is your wealth. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And there is a direct relationship between the two of them. Excellent. So, so as we're talking today, everyone, really what we're trying to do is set the, set the stage for this. And I want to kind of just open it up this way. You know, we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about rising costs. We know that as we get older, we're more likely to get illness. But injuries and illness can happen at any point in life. Um, we know that generally women live longer than men. And so they have a higher chance of needing appropriate resources and services as they get older, too. 
But but this is something that we need to prepare about. And when we talk about and when I talk about it for my patients, I say, hey, at the minimum, I need you to come in once a year for a physical. Yes. Let's get your ba- baseline. You kind of do that as well too, from a from a from a wealth advisor perspective. Absolutely. What is your baseline? Can you comment a little bit more on how you kind of just start just generally baseline assessment? Well, one of the things that's really so important with um, uh, my first meetings with clients and continuing is to establish something like a baseline. And I start with understanding who you are. Um, who you care about and what you care about because it's from that that we build a plan that can be satisfying for a family to make sure that they are in fact successful. And of course it's always about monitoring to see how far afield are we from where we want to be. And I'm sure that that's the case with your clients as well, with your patients as well. Just having a good sense of where you are now and, and how your health is improving over time, and how you're actually able to maintain health is true both financially and physically. One of the, one of the great things I, I like asking my patients when I see them for the first time, and I always say, what are your top three health goals? Oh, I love and, that. And, and I love doing that because they say, you know, first of all, in this age, everybody says weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at that too myself. <laughs> but, uh, but no, they say that, and that gives me a, a, mo- a moment there to really understand who they are as people. Yeah. What's important to them? What gets people motivated to do the things that they're doing for their families or their careers or their lives versus more so like a doctor just says, okay, you're here today for your physical. Let's just check you real quick. I, I as a primary care doctor, I want to get the chance to know somebody and set up that kind of stuff. And then we get these goals, your health goals. Maybe you lose 20 pounds. We go to the next goal. And that's no different that's than what so you're important. doing in, 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 as a wealth advisor. Totally parallel. Totally parallel. <laughs> Excellent. So what I want to do today, we're talking about financing your health. And, and, and it's a very broad topic, but again, we're going to focus today on really long-term care. Uh, and really how I kind of look at this as a physician standpoint is, is really – really securing and safeguarding your future. Again, going back to your baseline, when was the last time you had a physical? Just things like health in general, things that we need to do. Make sure you have your age-appropriate screening. Make sure you get your labs done, cancer screening, make sure you get things like that done. But the corollary is so so interesting with, with, with finance and wealth advising and things like that. So when I think of like long-term care, uh, really I think about it as, as really... Um, Professional help. So, I mean, the inevitability is that people need, will, need, will need some sort of professional help right. to deal with their activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that when we talk about that, and, I'll, and, and we can kind of define that in a little bit, but your personal uh, independence is super important, and we call that activities of daily living. But if those get compromised, then there could be some challenges. So, Gwen, why don't you start off just giving us a, kind of your take on long-term care. What does that mean to you? Um, And then we can talk a little bit about how we're going to start preparing for this kind of stuff. Great. And and thank you for the opportunity to do that. Long-term care is really about personal and professional care for a person who may not be able to um, live as independently as they wanted to and may not be able to perform some of the activities of daily living, like feeding themselves or being able to get up and go to the bathroom and getting out of bed and getting in a chair uh, or continence or even memory retention. Those are all activities of daily living, and they happen at different phases of our lives. Most people um, would likely think that long-term care is related to something that happens when you're elderly, but we have the full range, and, and uh, I think it, you know, it might be worthwhile just to share some of the ways that we see people in our own neighborhood, sometimes in our own families, in our social circle, that experience the need for long-term care. It could be a 16-year-old uh, 
who suffered a football injury. It could be a 25-year-old um, newlywed uh, who suffered um, brain injuries as, in an auto accident. It could be a 39-year-old um, executive who's had a stroke. It could be a 50-year-old executive or business owner with two kids um, and um, experienced Parkinson's. Or a person who's 59 years old, only child, who's taking care of an 82-year-old mother um, and also she gets a diagnosis of breast cancer. So now we have two situations that may require long-term care within one family that's a smaller one. So there's a full range of, of, of um, illnesses. There's a, a number of, um, there are a number of risks that lead to it. Age is one of them, but of course, a 16-year-old never imagined having a need for long-term care. And that 16-year-old may need care for the next 40 years. So um, the one thing that I think is helpful in the conversation is, is to pay attention, to think about those around us that are already experiencing a need for long-term care and becoming engaged, talking with physicians, talking with advisors about what is that experience like? How likely is it that I may experience it? How likely is it that a parent of mine may experience it? Um, and what are the things that I can do in advance that allow me to give my parents or me to give for myself the better care so that I can live a better life, I can be more independent during that time, and I can also prevent the burden on another family member. You give some real-world examples, oh. and as a physician, as I hear you describing those scenarios with a 16-year-old, a 25-year-old, etc., etc., these are cases that I see all the time. And, and as a primary care doctor, being on the front lines of everything, this is kind of the bread and butter as you see people as they enter into the healthcare system. And certainly, a lot of times we enter into the system uh, with a disease, with a catastrophic event, right. or something like that. We don't necessarily seek out health when we're, when we're well, we're feeling good. And, uh, and I used to, so there's a doc that we had a long time ago, and I remember him saying these words. You know, we, he goes, he's something, I'll kind of paraphrase it, but he would say, uh, there are two kingdoms of health. There's the kingdom of the well and the kingdom of the sick. Mm. And a lot of us are in the well. Sometimes we travel and buy a ticket to this kingdom of the sick, and then we get our return ticket back to the well. But eventually, our journey is a one-way journey. Mm. And when he said those kind of words, this was at a conference that I was at years ago, and he said those words, and it just kind of sat with me. Wow. And I said, wow. First of all, I'm like, this is a medical conference, and we're talking very, very philosophically on this one because there's so many uh, uh, ways I can look at that as, as we approach our lives, but it made me kind of re re reflect on myself and, and not only my own personal health, but also those of the people that we're trying to take care of. Sure. And so, but this is, this is super important, and those examples that you give strike a tone. Um, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services actually has information about long-term care, and you can check them out at www.longtermcare.gov. And really, as you're saying, Gwen, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that when you lose some of your independence, and so the we define it in medicine, and I want to give people some, some concrete examples, uh, activities including bathing, dressing, using the toilet, transferring to or from a better chair, care, uh, uh, caring for incontinence, and then also eating. And typically a person that qualifies, at least from a medical standpoint, and this is where I want people to go talk to their doctors, from a medical care standpoint, they are unable to do t at least two, two of, of activities. those activities. Yeah. And so if that sounds like somebody that you know a loved one they're taking care of, 
there are some options. We want to make sure that people go talk to their doctors because I guarantee you, your your primary care doctor will know this. Uh, will, will know this stuff. Know how to direct you to the right resources. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of those conditions that Gwen just mentioned, things like stroke, uh, cancer. I mean, that's such mm -hmm. a huge thing. Injury uh, by an accident or a fall or something related to that kind of activity. Dementia, um, diabetes. So these are some common conditions where things do qualify. So Gwen, let me ask you this: when we think about the the burden. Again, I get it's kind of like where do we start? Why don't we take like some of those examples? Uh, you know, you mentioned like a 16-year-old uh, kid that gets an accidental injury and may have some. They obviously never thought about anything. Parents probably never thought about anything. That's true. How do you start? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's um, one to two percent of the population that that experiences long-term care at that age under the age of 18. Um, but there's so many other circumstances where that, those numbers get a lot bigger after we get 22, 25. The place that we start is really where we start with everything else. And sometimes I think of this analogy, if we're preparing um, for vacation, for example, we kind of plan out everything we're going to do on that vacation. And when we sit with clients and talk about their plans, what we do is we talk about all of the things that you need to do. So for, for a couple who's not even thinking that much about vacation, we very often use um, long-term disability through work, and many people realize that they need more than that, especially if, um, if they're in a position where the loss of that income is going to create a, a really significant hardship on the family. But the other part of it is thinking about the life that you want to lead in the best of times and in the times that are not so good. And you made a wonderful example when you talked about that, you know, getting a ticket, a two-way ticket yeah, to go back ticket. from, you know, to go from health ticket. to not so good health and back. And one of the things that helps us do that is being prepared financially so that we have the resources we need to make it happen quicker. For example, a, a stroke victim who has all of the care they need may be able to get back to work in three months or less, or sometimes a little longer, but having those resources. I often... Um, find that people don't give a lot of attention to it until they're in their 40s or their 50s. But an interesting statistic, 70% of every person who's 65 or older will need long-term care at some point in their lives. And you mentioned something very interesting about women. Women very often live longer. Yeah. Age is a risk factor, so Absolutely. it's more likely that they will be a survivor and they will also need long-term care at some point. But what's interesting is two out of three people never, ever plan for it. Now, we go on vacation, and we plan to stay in a hotel. We plan to travel. Travel, once we get to a destination, we would never imagine going on a vacation and saying, okay, we're here now. Let's see if we can find a hotel. It's a part yeah, of the package. Yeah, that would never happen in the Gomez family. <laughs> never. <laughs> it's, it's a part of the package. So one of the things we talk about is planning for retirement, since that's when it happens for most people, and planning for the first phase of retirement, where you have the travel, uh, the Broadway shows, you know, the, the safaris. Now you're spending money. <laughs> that's right. what it sounds like. And a Medicare premium, and maybe a, a short hospitalization. That's the first phase of retirement. The second phase of retirement may be a little bit less travel, more premiums for Medicare more hospitalization, maybe a broken hip, or um, a lot of dental bills. All of those things start to come into the environment, and we want to plan for them. They're a lot less expensive to plan for them now than later on. 
just as a hotel room, finding a hotel room where there's a lot going on, it's easy to have it done in advance. And the key is to make sure that we plan for that second half. And as much as possible, have a plan in place that doesn't require a family member who may not be in great shape physically or logistically to handle that anyway. It's really about doing the planning in advance. And I had a case just, uh, i telling you a little bit off the air, but I had a case uh, a few days ago where mm -hmm. a couple came in and um, the husband is suffering from some uh, pretty uh, pronounced dementia um, to the point that he's no longer wor working and the wife is basically supporting the family and um, obviously this was not on anybody's radar the wife um, is working right now and she's in her 60s as well too and uh, the conversation of long-term care obviously never came up mm -hmm. and and even though I tried to bring it up a few days ago the question is where do you start and I'm thinking as a physician you know I want to make sure that that person has all the resources to do well and I think about my patient that particular example the, the spouse who's now trying to take care of her husband you know what kind of and resources work. does she and work at the same time and what does she need you know she needs to probably find a support group she yeah. needs to probably have uh, you know look at her EAP program through her, her job yes. that's offered but also where are some of the financial costs now coming because for her husband he may, he's now got to see a neurologist, he's on medicine, there's a lot mm -hmm. of different things, and then she's still working now, you've lost some income, uh, while the husband's case of disability is still pending. So Yeah, there are lots of resources yeah. available, and for anybody who reaches out to me, I'm happy to provide them with a number of them. The Alzheimer's Association in a situation yeah. like that has some wonderful resources, um, and they also man their hotlines through every holiday. And when I heard that, it made me think about it, because in many cases, it's the first time family members see someone that they might not have seen. One year can make a difference. And they say that those are Christmas, um, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving are three of the busiest holidays when they have more and more people who are calling their hotlines saying, we don't know what to do. And a number of resources are available from, from that organization and so many others. Yeah. When I was a, you're giving me a reminder of a story. When I was a resident at Loyola and at the VA hospital during the holidays, actually, that was a lot of time. When, you're right, when people certainly see that and then they have no idea what to do. So what they would do is people would drop off their loved one at the emergency room and do oh a gosh. social, and it was, it was crazy, but you do a social admission to the hospital, but mm -hmm. it gave the family a little bit of respite uh, for a few days. And so, you know, you, you go in there and you'd say, well, you know, we run all the tests, nothing's really wrong. And the family member, by the time you try to tell some of the family members, you know, what's going on, mm -hmm. they've already actually left. And that was a long time ago. Uh, we are better now as a, as a society, <laughs> we, we hope. But, 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 you hit the, but you hit the head on the nail. It's, it's, this is important. And the thing is, like, how do we create that urgency now? Uh, you know, it's like, I try to create it as a primary care doctor when my, when my patients come in once a year, let's make sure there's no surprises prepared as they get my line about health, success in health, success, success in life. Um, as you're seeing the clients, how do you create that urgency for them to say, because I'm sure you've been in that situation where they'll say, oh, well, I'll think about it. And then <laughs> time goes, and yeah. they didn't really think about it, well, let's be yeah. honest, well, until something's too late. I'm so glad you bring it up, and I'm so glad that you're talking with your patients about yeah. it because it's so important. One thing that I would recommend um, as a physician is for you to ask your patients, have they talked with their financial advisors about, about a situation that can help them better prepare for it? But what I do is in the initial conversations, we talk about family. We talk about families. And one of the early questions is, if your parents are alive, do they have long-term care? And that's when we start the conversation. One of the things that we often do is we talk about, you know, for a family, do you have wills and trust in place? And 
I can't believe the number of occasions in which a family has said, I have them in place, but I don't think my parents do. And I've done consults with their parents, even locally as well as on the phone, saying, you know, your daughter just did something wonderful. Your son just did something wonderful, and they're concerned about you. I don't mind being the courageous one in engaging those conversations with family members. But when, when we ask those questions about um, whether they have experienced a need for long-term care, inevitably, probably one out of three cases, they say, we're already trying to take care of our parents. We're already doing something. Or um, one of the parents just moved into our home. And they're already experiencing it. And, and it's interesting, though, that there's some cases in which a person literally is taking care of a family member and they know that there's a need for long-term care, but they don't think about it for themselves. Yeah, so right. um, I'm, I'm always encouraging, what about you? What is, the, what is the example that you want to set for your children? How do you say to your children, I've engaged in this process, I've done the planning, you don't have to worry about doing all of this for me. This is the plan that I've done for me, and I'm going to encourage you to do it for yourself. That's really the best way to do it and the best time to do it before something actually occurs. Yeah, and preparedness, uh, which is which is so crucial for everything, not just life, it just, and not just health, it just crosses so many themes that oh, I'm talking absolutely. about. So I want to ask you this question, Gwen. <clears throat> Say someone, um, you know, you mentioned you know, this year about your, the, the stats, which is true. It's, you know, two-thirds of people have not prepared for this, have not done it. Uh, and, and they are older individuals, typically, when you're looking at some of those stats. Um, how does somebody, you know, how does somebody start, or how do they even start, which maybe you're even reaching out to a financial, a wealth advisor, financial advisor? Where do you start that if somebody doesn't have that? How does somebody even just go from there? Mm. Are you asking, how do you begin that conversation? Yeah. Well, this is one of the uncomfortable conversations that I uh, have with, with families. And um, people have always said, yeah, Gwen, sometimes you're able to figure out how to have uncomfortable conversations and help other people have them with me. Um, one of the things that I work to do from the very beginning, understanding who you are, tell me about you. I get to know my clients well. I get to know a lot about what the family structure looks like as well. You know, if there is a, a, a parent or a grandparent involved, I want to know about them, you know, where do they live, what, what health are they in. And one of the questions that I ask is, are you and your family financially responsible for any other adult? And that's one of the ways that the conversation begins. And, and very often it's like, well, not really, but if something happened, okay, tell me, what does it mean yes. if something happens? And they themselves open up the conversation. Excellent. Well, if, you know, you know my, my great-grandmother broke her hip and she had to come and live with my grandparents. So you have situations like that. And you have them literally paint a picture of what they're already aware of. Because once they're sensitized, you have an opportunity to open that door wider. And then talk with them about what is it that you envision in your life? And what, what do you envision in the life of your parent or your grandparent? How do you want to help them most? And we start there. Excellent. Some um, employers have given the option of providing long-term care for a parent by just doing insurance, term insurance, right at work. That's one way of doing it for somebody that's, that's already starting to get older. In a number of cases, their own parents are still able to qualify for long-term care protection. And that's helpful. And I'm not a, an insurance uh, salesperson. I work with a consultant who's able to help us in a very dignified and professional way 
so that we're able to help them determine the best way that they can provide support and also provide other resources that are going to be helpful when they need it. Thank you. You know, as, as you're saying, you know, when we were talking about that, yes, as you live longer, you're more likely to need long-term care uh, services. Interesting thing is that a lot of times, and it's more, more like a myth, obviously, where you think, hey, I've got my health insurance, Medicare, or Medicaid, and, I, and it's got this. And that's one of the biggest uh, challenges out there. Uh, even when I see my patients, there's, they're asking me all the time, Dr. Dr. G, do you know if my insurance will cover X, Y, and Z? And I yeah. say, from you know, there's medical stuff, and then there's stuff that's not deemed medical by insurance, and often not. When you talk about obviously these kind of services, if someone needs assistance with with toileting, bathing, that kind of things, typically those are not covered by Medicare. And so people and a lot of people assume that. that they assume are. that they are. They say, oh, I'll be over 65. I'll just use Medicare, no, no. and Medicare does not cover those things. No. And so it really puts them in a certainly puts them in a bind when they do need those resources. And especially going back to what you were saying, when somebody will come in and maybe live in, you know, the, an elderly parent comes and lives in your house. Yeah. That changes the dynamic big time. It changes everything. And and I think about certainly the patients that I've had that have told me countless hours and stories about. Uh, fatigue, caregiver fatigue, and to the point where I had I had a I had a patient one time uh, tell me a story, and uh, an uh, elderly parent moved in, and uh, she was the only one out of all the siblings that really knew everything. Now the other siblings didn't really want anything to do with it, and it got to the yes. point that they had to kind of like trick your sibling, uh, you know, to skip, make it make it. Hey, we're gonna put dad or mom on a plane and fly them out to you. And by the way. You're now you get them now, um, and which is which is which is another issue of mm, itself. But but you yeah. see some of the challenges that it affects on everybody. It changes the dynamic, and when we talk about long term care, you know you're not guaranteed necessarily that you know some people will say, well, I got this person in my life, they'll take care of me, but that's not really the case, is it? Doctor Gomez, you bring up such an important point, and it's another one of the reasons that is so important to plan for how you want your life to be while you're in a position to do that. That planning is such an important part of it because family members aren't always going to be um, uh, equitable about that. And that's a very common situation. We've, we've, um, we've, we've had some conversations about how, sure we, can, how, how we can make sure that, that, um, that people are, um, um, that family members do their fair share or, or contribute in some other way, and it's never really going to be fair. I think the one thing we really have to look at is this. You know, seven out of ten people over the age of 65 will need long-term care. There's no guarantee that a person is going to need long-term care services, but there is a need to plan for it. And the good news is the planning for it now gives people options so that they don't have to set aside money to do it and never get anything back. So it's not the old system of throwing money in a black hole, which is another one of the myths, and you're probably going to get to yeah, we'll get Oh, to yeah, that. i got to pay. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The important thing is literally planning out your life. You know, you think about it. When I was in high school and I'm thinking, oh, when I get out of college, I had all these great plans that I said, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. I don't know if we have, generally speaking, that same excitement about planning the next phase of our lives. And this is the most important phase of it. We get to do all of the planning about where we travel to, what kinds of things we do, how many um, major shows we get to visit, how many relatives we get to visit, the different countries around the world in the first half. 
why not plan for the things that we know will happen in the second half of, of our retirement? And it's a perfect opportunity to do it. Yeah, I think a lot of my, when I ask, like, you know, I, as a physician, certainly you're seeing conditions that may progress. And yes. you're right, the, for the planning perspective, that's super important. But maybe sometimes people may not want to accept that something may happen. Or you just say, you know, I'm just going to live in the moment right now. Uh, and, and that's, and that's hey, to, to each their own. I mean, if that's your, that's your approach. But knowing that the reality is that as we go through life, more likely than not, you're going to need those services. So, so let me ask you this. What are some general funding mechanisms um, for long-term care? That's, that's an excellent question. And I will tell you that um, the options today versus the options 10 years ago have changed tremendously. Um, the first one is self-funding. And I'm going to just mention the three of them, right. and then I'll come back and talk about the trade-offs with each one. Self-funding, setting aside a pocket of money that um, is going to be available to cover long-term care. It's really important to understand how much long-term care costs in order to put the right amount in that bucket. The second one is the traditional long-term care, which involves buying a policy that is going to be available to cover long-term care expenses, whether it's a nursing home or adult daycare or something else, when it's needed. The third option is a hybrid option, which allows you to put aside money in a pool, and that money would be available to cover long-term care if there's a need for, but if it's not needed, there's a death benefit available to a family or charitable organization. Now, out of the three of them, the first choice, putting aside money, of, of course, many people who have done that generally put it in, into a non-retirement account, and the money grows. Of course, there's the issue of taxes. Yes. you got to pay taxes on it when that money comes out, and you never know when it's going to be needed. But the second thing is, Markets do interesting things, and sometimes markets are already depreciated by the time you say, I'm going to go in. So if you're down 20% already, and you need $100,000 for seven or eight months of long-term care, that doesn't always feel good. That's a double whammy. Um, so that's one of the trade-offs um, that people who do self-fund um, don't particularly like. But there's another really sneaky reason that some people who've done that have a problem with it later. One, they don't tell anybody that this is the bucket that it's in. They don't tell anybody that this is my long-term care portfolio. And people are trying to find things. And what if it is a person who's experiencing memory loss, who's not able to manage those assets? So that's a, that's a challenge. The second option we talked about is the traditional long-term care. And everybody already thinks that this is the biggest problem anyway. You're writing a check every month. You're paying long-term care. The premiums continue to go up. And at some point, I'm going to say, oh, to heck with that. I'm going to stop paying the premium. And just when I do that, something bad happens. So that's one of the, one of the things that people don't like about using the traditional. The third option, which is the hybrid option, is a little bit more expensive than the other one. But there's some good things about the other side of it. One, the amount the premium can be set, yep. and the premium not does not go up at all. You have the flexibility with many of the offerings to say, okay, I'm in my high income earning years. Say I'm already 45 or 50 years old. I want to pay the premium for 10 years or 12 years or 15 years and not pay another premium again. You don't have to worry about a premium increase. And one of the other big benefits of that is that if you don't need the money in for long-term care, there is a death benefit that's available to a family. Yes. But the other really good thing about it with those plans is that you have the resources that you need when the, in the event that something happens. Who's the first person I call when I discover it? 
who's going to coordinate what benefits are paid by Medicare because they will pay for a few days in a hospital. How do I coordinate this? How do I find a good facility? How do I find somebody who can come to my home? How do I build out a home and retrofit rents and other things so that my house looks good on the front? To have those resources available, we call it concierge services. Concierge services for long-term care is what most families say they really want and need. One, because you don't know when it's gonna happen. Two, you don't know how much of a need it's gonna be. Three, you don't know how long it's gonna last. You know, there's a good portion of the population that will need long-term care for more than five years. And for somebody to have to make a decision on that day one, many people aren't able to do that. So to have a resource that says, okay, if it does go on this long, these are the options that are available to you. Maybe you don't want to use all of the money out of this and you want to use some money from here, or you want to use a service from here. Or you may want to sell that piece of property that you haven't visited in the last seven years, and that may help to fund it. So now you've got a resource that can help you make it happen. So yes, there are trade-offs with all three of them. Well, I think that hits, hits the point, and you're really talking about taking advantage of things now, saying, hey, we can't, you can't say it louder, prepare, prepare, prepare. Absolutely. And, and because you just never know, and it's always say, uh, like when I see my patients and I may order a lab test, I say, you know, you give me some symptoms, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think anything's really going on, but we need to make sure, and, and you'll sleep better, Yes. <laughs> if you knew, if you when you get that reassurance, you will know that. So as you're talking about that preparedness, it's so huge. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting as you're talking about the ways how you can kind of fund this kind of stuff. I want to ask you a, kind of a, a secondary follow-up question, because a lot of times, uh, uh, a lot of workers, uh, a lot of corporations, employees, employers uh, set up retirement accounts for their employees, and so sometimes things may maybe somebody may not have been saving for something like long-term care but an event happens. Are there pros and cons of tapping into your retirement account to fund some of these unexpected expenses? Uh, it's one of the questions that gets asked very often. More often than not, it's asked right at the time that you need to make a decision. So it's good to talk about this. Uh, retirement funds are set up for retirement. Generally, when people are no longer working for themselves, the retirement money is there to work for you. Um, one of the biggest um, disadvantages of using retirement money to fund, for example, were you speaking of, for yeah, instance, well, long-term care yeah, or other yeah, health care exactly, issues? Yes. Um, one of the, the trade-offs in doing that is that by using retirement for something that's occurring before retirement, one, the IRS doesn't like it because in many cases nobody else is funding your retirement. So they hit you with taxes and in many cases a penalty on that. So if you're under the age of 55 in some cases, 59 in others, you may be required to pay taxes and a penalty on it. So the real net of the money that you get out of it is a lot less than what you might have expected. Um, there are a couple of other options. One of them is borrowing against that money in a 401k plan. And um, you're really borrowing against your, your own account. And um, that has worked for some people. The unknown in that is will he or she leave the company or the company leave him or her before that money is paid back. And then the IRS is, of course, waiting. They're always waiting. Taxes, yeah. taxes and penalties. So um, I think it's just another example of how it's helpful to plan. And um, when we think about it, we literally decide what's important to us by what we plan. I got you. So, Gwen, is there an actual, is there a typical age that 
people should start having this conversation out of long-term care. I mean, obviously, it might be hard to convince a 18-year-old or 20-year-old to do to have this kind of conversation. But is there something that you're seeing when you're seeing your clients that hey, you know, this is the right time to start before, you know, because a lot of from and please correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're if you're if you're trying to get a long-term care policy. Um, a lot, there's a lot of me- there's some medical underwriting with like a lot That's of correct. various things, and so the more healthy you are, the more likely you're able to get the funding and get get the premium or get the policy. The more challenged you are with your health, it may be difficult, or you might be paying a lot more in your premiums. That is the case. Um, the healthier you are, I mean, your status of health, your age, um, and there are a few a few other factors. In, in in terms of what you need, your age, your your health status the size of the pot that you want to build are all Correct. factors in, in terms of getting long-term care. So there is a bigger advantage in starting early. Um, I will tell you that because of the conversations we have with clients at the very early stages, we're talking about it even for a client who's 25 years old. We're having conversations, we're making them aware of it. When I do an annual review each year, a couple of the things that we talk about is are there circumstances um, in your family that require it? It comes back to that question, is there somebody that you are financially responsible for at this phase of your life? And we come back to that conversation. So in many cases, it's a lot easier to go back to that conversation a few months later or 12 months later and see just how things have changed. Most people um, who have already shared with you what they care about will give it consideration and many of my clients say, this is something that I know I will be doing within the next 12 months. Excellent. And it's helpful to do that. It really, it, it, it's a team approach. And it's, there are days when I have to play coach. It's like, okay. Coach, you got to push a little hard. There's no Absolutely. doubt. But I like how you said, you know, it's almost like as I equated to in, in, in medicine, a follow-up. You know, I might see yeah. somebody for some reason. Our practice is And then, yeah, like, you know, all of these corollaries. And uh, I say, hey, you know, we're going to see you back in six months or 12 months. And we're going to reassess. I'm going to ask you a lot of the same questions again, uh, but we're going to re- reassess and hopefully start comparing apples to apples and really try to see what kind of trajectory somebody's going to be on with their health. You're talking yeah. about trajectory with their wealth and their finances, which is, again, the old saying, as we were saying in the beginning of the show, your health is your wealth. Yeah. And so so that's, that's great that you're trying to plant the seed now. And you yeah. give that example to that 25-year-old. That is, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to share something with Please, you. Please, go right ahead. I'm remembering now, um, we do a checklist before each meeting because the important thing is if I'm going to sit with a client, I want to know what's on your mind when yeah, you sit down. It's not all about... You and I do checklists and everything. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not all about what we have to say and what we have to ask. It's, it's a conversation. And what's interesting is in a number of cases where we ask, you know, what's changed? Has there been a major health challenge or a death in your family? Many people will indicate right on their checklist that a son, a daughter, in fact, I'm remembering now a a situation a few years back, a client came in um, and we didn't get the checklist. And we were in a a flurry to try to get it the day before. I said, oh, the checklist isn't here. So the client emailed the checklist in and the first thing I noticed, and it was just very bold, um, the wife filled out the checklist. She says, my husband is experiencing early phases of Alzheimer's. And I go, oh my God, I'm so glad we did something about it earlier on. So um, the checklist itself is a way to start that conversation. And it could be about another relative. And very often it's sitting with that client and saying, you know, what do you envision 30 years from now? What, what does your life look like 30 years from now? 
What does your life look like in the second phase of retirement? And it's amazing how thoughtful people can be when you make it very personal. When I ask those kind of questions, what are your top three health goals? Yeah. Uh, people ask it, they, they say, no doctor has ever asked me that before. I thought I was just coming here for my blood pressure medicine or whatever. But, but again, you're having these kind of conversations, you're planting the seed. Again, I'm all about no surprises when it comes to health. Absolutely. And you're talking about that too when it comes to your wealth and, and, and advising. So what I want to do now, Gwen, I want to ask you, this is something that I introduced on the show a number of months ago, but my myths versus facts. Mm. So each week on the show... I always like to try to uh, say a few statements that are out there. Again, we're all about we're all about this show. We're all about really making sure people have the right information. And when I talk about that, it's really about building trust and delivering the truth. And so what I, like I try it. to do uh, is make sure that there's things out there that are said, and there's a lot of whether they're true or false, and that's what we're going to ask. So I'm not going to try to give away anything right now. But but I want to make sure we set the record straight on the right information for people. So here we go. Myths versus facts. The financing your health version on To Your Health with Dr. G. Here we go. So I'm going to say a statement, and then Gwen, you'll say either myth or fact, and maybe give us a few, a few sentences why that is a myth or a fact. Here we go. Statement number one, myth versus facts. Here we go. My family and I probably won't need long-term care. Myth or fact? That's a myth. All right. That's a myth. 70%. Of, I mean, if you, if you plan to live beyond age 65, you're hoping that you're going to be one of the three people who doesn't. One of the three people out of ten who doesn't need long-term care. All right. Here we go. Next statement, myth versus fact. My health or disability insurance will cover my long-term care. Oh, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, everybody, if you're listening, these are all myths, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to give reasons for everything. Okay. It's always, by the way, on my show, it's always myths. For some reason, I, I love the myths way you're doing facts. this, though, because it, it really puts it right out front, and people go, oh, my God, I was thinking that was true. Yeah. I'm sure there's yeah, somebody yeah. in the audience who's yeah. thinking that right Pretty now. Pretty much. Uh, I'll give everybody the answers way ahead, even for the next few months, that they're always going to be myths <laughs> on myths versus facts. I should just call okay. myths. But here we go. Uh, <laughs> number three. Here's a statement. I won't need long-term care insurance because my family will be able to care for me. Oh, boy. Imagine a person making that statement, living in Chicago, with an only child living in L.A., and the expectation is that he or she will give up a high-paying job and come to Chicago to take care of a parent and not have enough money for her own retirement. It's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, that's tough. And the reality is, I'll just piggyback on that one, I've seen those kind of situations. I know you've probably seen them as well with your clients, but I see them as my patients coming yeah. in and saying, uh, you know, they might be widowed, uh, and it's just them and their child lives, you know, a couple thousand miles away, has a career, family, all that kind of stuff. What about a situation where um, uh, a family, a person who's needing long-term care has a family member close by, but the long-term care needs are beyond the capacity of that relative? Right. Yeah, that's tough, and that's when I tell my patients, I say, well, we've got to think about other, other sources like, nursing home or placement or things like that where they right. can get that care. But of course the first answer right back at that is what's the cost? And you know, mm -hmm. now we're talking about hey if we had something set up, planning for long term care, we might yeah. be able to help mitigate some of those challenges. Here we go. Myths versus facts. Next one. Gwen, here we go. All right. <clears throat> After retirement, Medicare will cover my health costs for life. Mm. Wow. We hear stories all the time about Medicare running out of money. Uh, that's not the way they're going to run out of money because there's very little that Medicare will cover um, and many families find that out the hard way. Okay. We'll do a couple more of these. I like this. Here we go. Myth versus fact. 
Long-term care is only for the elder, elderly. <laughs> I, well, you know what? I think we uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Early, we, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we talked about right. you know, a 16-year-old, yeah. a 25-year-old, a 32-year-old. Yeah. 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 yeah, we've, 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 we've dispelled that myth. But again, or as we were saying earlier, both Gwen and I saying, yes, the longer you live, the more likely you're going to need those kind of services. Yeah. But it can happen to anybody. It does not discriminate on age. All right. A couple more of these. Here we go. Um, I like this one. Here we go. There's nothing I can do to plan ahead for reducing long-term care expenses. Ah, I like that one, too. Um, that very often is a myth. Because, I mean, even a person who is in good health, um, who has not yet done planning, there are opportunities to do things. And there are lots of ways that we don't have time on this in this show to talk about that a person can do the planning. We've talked about it already. Excellent. I think it's very helpful to do that planning. And we'll do the last one here. Here's the statement. My family, and we probably already did it, but I'll say the statement. Uh, my family cannot afford long-term care insurance. Mm. Um, I believe, you know, just in talking about some of the experiences that you've had and some of that I've had, the question is, can some families afford not to have long-term care insurance? Because many people face much greater cost much greater cost, emotional and financial cost, by not planning. We didn't even talk about some of the different kind of costs that are out there for some of these services, whether it's something retrofitting your home or going to a facility, yeah. um, have your care, assisted living, nursing care, uh, adult daycare, uh, things like that. But yes, I mean, this is the importance of preparing ahead of time so we don't get into these challenges about affordability, uh, but hoping that we have a nice, nice, nice pot of something to help yeah. do things from there. All right, so what I want to do at this point, you know, we're, we're about to wrap things up because we only got about five minutes left, but this has been just amazing conversation on this broad topic, but we're trying to get focused in, and again, when we kind of do this myths versus facts, I want people just to have, these are, these are statements that are out there. People are probably asking these kind of questions, and, and these are relatable questions, and even the yeah. scenarios that we've been, we've been painting about different medical, you know, different health scenarios or what Gwen's talking about, we're, we're trying to make sure that this information is, 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 well, certainly this information is accurate, but making sure that people understand that, hey, I hear what you're going through. That might describe me. You're describing me. You're describing my neighbor. You're describing my, 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 my family. And so it, it allows us to now have even a better conversation about these things. So what I want to do with five minutes left, I want to basically kind of bring this thing home. And so what I want to ask Gwen is, you know, give us a couple take-home points that are out there for people that are listening to the show you know, people that, that want to do something, they've got some information now listening to us, what are some things that they can do to now implement, uh, implement a strategy to now have just better discussion and awareness about long-term care? Yeah. You know, I really like the fact that um, what you've just done, and you've helped me do it also, is you've brought this conversation up close and personal and in a way that people can visualize someone or some situation in which planning could have made it a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I always feel that, that we have to, to, to vote for what we want and advocate for the things we want. We've just finished the midterms, yeah. but I wanted to just mention a couple of points here that might be helpful in, in, um, um, in relating, in bringing together some of the things that we've been talking about. And it's about voting your wishes and putting those in place 
uh, while you have the ability to do so. The first one is visualizing how you see yourself today in the first phase of retirement and in the second phase. And by now, people are probably aware of what the second phase of retirement might look like. So visualize is the first one. Nice. The second one is open up the dialogue between medical professionals, yes. financial professionals, and family. And use the medical professionals and the financial professionals to help communicate the messages that are important around your plan and building the plan. The third one is take seriously those advisors. Take seriously your doctors um, and your financial advisors so that you can build a plan that can be effective and allow you to live a more effective and an independent life during the second part of uh, retirement. And then the fourth is expressing the plan that you build to your family members and show them what you've done that allows you to live a better life in the later phases and also invite them to do the same thing for the generation afterward. So the V-O-T-E. I like that. Visualize, visualize, open the conversation, take seriously the professionals and express those, uh, express that plan. Thank you, Gwen. And my kind of closing comments are this. You know, I wanted to craft this show for this reason. And again, we talk about your health, but we know that there's inherent costs. There's inevitable costs that are out there. And even in me as a primary care physician, my goal is to make sure that that person has all the resources to be successful as they go about their lives, to live healthy lives, to live lives with passion and purpose and being fulfilled. And preparedness is all about it. It's center. It's the, it's the cornerstone. It's the foundation of everything. And as you have more success with your health and working with your doctor and planning of, of, for these inevitable costs, you'll be more likely to, to be successful. You'll be more likely to sleep, better sleep at night, and really enjoy those, those later years as you go with your family and loved ones. So I want to thank my guests today. This has been awesome. Gwen Cohen. I can't tell you how proud I am. I'm honored to be <laughs> oh, here, and I'm just proud of the work that you're doing. Yeah, I've known Gwen for a long time, so I, get, I, know, I just like, I just, we had to do this. So I want to thank my guest, Gwen Cohen, First Vice President, Wealth Advisor at Morgan Stanley. Check her out, fa.morganstanley.com slash gwen.cohen slash. You know me, Dr. G, next week on the show... We're going to be doing the power of plant-based nutrition. Mm. I know, I'm going to have to, I'm like giving up some meat and everything. I'm going to start eating some more vegetables. But again, this is excellent stuff. Hey, you've been listening here live on Intellectual Radio. Also, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgromas.com. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>